window of time where I realized I need to take a minute, five minutes to sit on the edge of this bed and reset mm -hmm. and just kind of realize where I am, what I'm doing and not jump into the light and jump into doing something. Mm -hmm. like I need to be still as soon as I woke up for a few minutes to kind of get my body acquainted into this, this space outside of just dreaming and relaxing. Yeah. I need to transition slowly instead of jumping up into an activity. Oh, I can't. It makes me nauseous. Yeah. Like literally, like I used to work a job where um, I was a server, a mm -hmm. breakfast server, and I had to be at work at five o'clock in the morning. Oh. Uh, maybe five, I don't, it was between like five or six, I had to be there. So I had to be on my way like at five, 5.15, mm -hmm. and it would be dark, and the birds would be chirping. <laughs> and I would Great. pull myself out of the bed and literally feel nauseous, like just have a wow. rush of just nausea, and just, because I'm forcing my body to do right. something it did not want to do. And right. it never got better. Like, I thought that... <clears throat> I thought that over time, I would adjust mm -hmm. and get used to it. But I just never got used to it. Yeah. I am not an early morning person. I'm a morning person, mm -hmm. but compared to you, I'm not a morning person. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> you are a 5 in the morning person. I'm a 7.30 in the morning person. You be up. That's why I don't fool with you. That's why I don't work out with you. Right, None of the things. Like, you go to the gym, but what time you go? Five in the morning? No. No. That's how I don't make you feel good. No. just he values my insight on certain things so he calls me to talk about his mental health and so initially we were supposed to talk about um a relationship post that i'd made on my page and it turned into this whole thing where he was talking about um black men and mental health and relationships so we got to talking about um confirmation bias um black men being heard and you know how that looks in relationships with different women especially those with, you know, childhood issues, like abandonment issues. And um, it was crazy to me because he echoed the same sentiment that I've heard from many other black men is that we don't have a place to go to talk about this. Mm -hmm. Like we have, you know, our homeboys that we talk to about certain things, but the limit in the line is drawn at mental health. Like it's almost a stigma of shame that comes with black men talking about it. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, that kind of, you know, um, pours into the black community as a whole, like even with black women, especially, I yeah. think we have a different set and unique set of traumas than any other, you know, race. We're having a lot of conversations about our mental health. We're having yes. a lot of public conversations yes. about our mental health, like um, the Simone Files. Mm -hmm. she just... Um, dropped out of the Olympics because of her mental health. She made it clear that it was because of mental health. There was some tennis player, I can't remember her name, but she mm -hmm. didn't do her interviews because she said she has social anxiety, so she was unable to oh. do her interviews. 
we have people like Summer Walker. Summer Walker. Yeah, I was about to say her. Is in the middle of a concert, um, NPR Tiny Desk, and she's sitting there, slumped over, like looking like she doesn't want to be there at all. Not putting any type of energy or um, any type of like like creative force into her yes creative force mm-hmm. into her performance but in the middle of the performance she says I'm sorry y'all I have social anxiety um, so I'm, I'm seeing wow. this come up a lot and I have mixed feelings about it really yes yes I do I I I oof that's that's deep because I love it I love it I love people yelling about it and being upset about it and being passionate and aggressive with it I love that people are asking questions um I love people are expressing their feelings and like feeling things maybe sometimes a little too intensely or they may be exaggerating because I think it's unfamiliar so they respond extremely to things that are unknown or uncomfortable and I love that people, black people especially, are talking to their children more about these things, opposed to holding in secrets and sweeping things under the rug. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I love all of that as well. I, I think that that was needed. I think right. that there has been, um, we've spent too long um, just kind of suffering in silence and not acknowledging the fact that our mental health matters not mm-hmm. acknowledging the fact that we're not all you know just these strong um, mm-hmm. resilient strong folks yeah mm-hmm. who can just go through anything and endure anything and um and not feel mm-hmm. like almost like animals you know mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. like they used to treat us anyway exactly so exactly so that part it completely resonates with me um and i'm supportive of it and of course I'm supportive of people talking through their mental health or trying to work through these type of traumas and mm-hmm. you know different issues that they have because I was a therapist. So mm-hmm. I've been a therapist. Um, I've had many clients, you know, study these different conditions. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so of course I am supportive of it. Okay. In in that way. Okay. However, there has been a deep leaning into neuroses. Huh. Okay. That I'm seeing black people do by constantly blaming their behavior on their mental health instead oh. of trying to overcome it and say, I'm going to push through this anxiety just like Michael Jackson, just like. Jordan, just like all the type, all of these people who are in the spotlight who have had, I'm sure, played games uh-huh. where they probably vomited before mm-hmm. the game mm-hmm. started. They were so nervous, but they played the game. So there is an attachment to sickness that, that is, is not empowering to, that, that is, is not empowering for us as a people and really just as a a whole like therapy itself is based on eurocentric principles right all of these therapy methods that we're following freud um young Mm -hmm. um just 
all of these names of these disorders, the breaking down of those disorders, it even being considered a disorder, white people say, mm-hmm. this is a disorder. Mm-hmm. This is, it's very Eurocentric. Now, I don't even want to say white people. I'm going to use Eurocentric. Right. <laughs> it's, very, it, it's based on how they feel, how they emote, what they feel is proper behavior, what they feel is disordered, mm-hmm. and we are fully buying into what I feel is an agenda, and it is weakening us. Mm-hmm. It is not making us stronger as a community mm-hmm. necessarily. So there are some good things about it, but there needs to always be this understanding, this bigger picture understanding of, of what it is. We are strong people. Right. We come from people who were kidnapped. We are descendants of kidnapped, traumatized, really beaten, ex- beaten, just raped. That, that's our lineage. Right. And all of our people survived that. Right. That's why we're here. There were some black people who did not survive that. They don't have a lineage. We are descendants of those people. Mm-hmm. So although we shouldn't be um, just like so dismissive of how we feel, like we've been in the past, and just like go through these things and just have breakdowns, mm-hmm. I think that we need to recognize that we are stronger than we think. And we're stronger than a lot of other races because of what we have gone through. And there's nothing wrong with that. Well, my okay. So, being that as it may, we we come from um, a bloodline of strong, you know, resilient souls. Our ancestors, which is, I believe, the most powerful deity that can ever exist. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, we do have that unique set of traumas that is a result of the abuse and the trauma and those experiences. So, are you suggesting that we? not depend or be so easily influenced by those Eurocentric practices and that we find our own? Or how do we address our unique... Yes, needs. needs as yeah. yeah. Okay, so one good thing that's happening is that there are a lot of black people who are entering into that space right? and help mm-hmm. as therapists, as psychiatrists, as psychologists who are not completely buying into some of the biases that have existed in the in the past concerning mm-hmm. like mental health. Mm-hmm. So that's good. But what I'm suggesting is that we need to use that information as a way just to be better mm-hmm. instead of leaning into it and just totally identifying mm-hmm. with these disorders. My daughter, she's 23, my oldest daughter mm-hmm. is dating. And almost every man that she talks to within a week is talking about how they have some sickness. They're depressed. They're oh, anxious. Wow. Mm-hmm. They, they, they're having all of these. They have panic attacks. They have social anxiety. Oh, every wow. single yeah. one of them are coming with that narrative. There has to be a balance. We can't become enslaved by that because by telling ourselves my mind is not strong I'm sick when 
I feel this way, I just have to feel this. The great I am. Yeah. Just feel it. And you know what? I'm not going to go to school because I'm upset today. <laughs> I'm not going to go to that's school. A, that's a delicate... Uh, that's a delicate, um, a fine line mm -hmm. between acknowledgement and between acknowledgement and acceptance, and the other line of that being dismissal and avoidance. Yeah. And so, how do you, how does one recognize or even begin to do the shadow work to realize that okay, I am placing blame opposed to um, acknowledging, you know, this thing and putting action behind it because if if eurocentric practices is all that is there mm -hmm. then when people get to running they just look for the first door they see they don't go around trying to create a door yeah that's not not by nature anyway it's kind of like okay what's here right now that can help me immediately right and it's, they want that relief yeah so how they pivot mm -hmm. that mindset to say okay i know i'm feeling away yeah i don't want to name this just yet but yeah. where else do i go to figure out the symptoms of what i'm, I'm experiencing and how to match it up and that's why our ancestors were so deeply immer immersed in spirituality and mm -hmm. religion mm -hmm. because we are a feeling and a sensitive people who yes. go through these different issues but now there's such a strong rejection against that these people oh, out yeah. here you're having anxiety attacks on a regular basis your grandmother may have had anxiety on a regular basis, but your grandmother may have prayed about it. Mm -hmm. And it's not so much like a oh, well, just you know, just let God fix it. I'm not, I'm, I'm not suggesting that. Mm -hmm. But just the mere act of empowering yourself in such a way that you know this is what I can do to make changes. Whatever works for you. If praying to a higher power will make you feel stronger, then pray to a higher power. We are so critical of our ancestors hmm. who were religious and used their religion as a way to overcome, which were probably some type of mental health conditions. We're so critical of that. Mm -hmm. But here we are, you know, in 2021, doing the same thing in a different way. Like, at least yeah. they were praying to God. At least mm -hmm. they were being empowered by God instead of just... I'm sick, give me medication, yeah. and just sitting around like there's nothing that I can do about it. There's something to be said for what what our parents did. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, of course, I feel like, um, you know, to push to numb the pain by taking meds or being diagnosed so that someone can, you know, you can categorize and kind of place yourself in a, in a belonging space. Mm -hmm. If I have, if I go around saying I'm depressed, then now I belong to a community. Yes. I'm a part of something. Absolutely. So the deeper issue, I think, is to figure out why are you feeling this way and what do you need? Do you need community? Yes. Or do you need self? I believe it's because black people are, we come from a, a village lifestyle. We are like, I don't want to use these words because it's silly, but like village people, you know? <laughs> we have a I squad. I something more <laughs> sophisticated than that. But we do need to be a part of community. We we do need to feel like we belong. That's where we come from. We, we come from mm -hmm. tribes mm -hmm. where everybody was supportive of everyone in that community and people had specific jobs that they did. Mm -hmm. And that community found something that they were good at. And you did that thing over and over and over again. If you were good at making bowls, 
make you do the it. Bowls. You do it. We're not gonna try right. to make you the doctor. Right. Well, you gonna be the bowl maker. Right. Okay. But everybody was on the same level for the most part. So the woman making the bowls was just as happy. I would imagine. I wasn't there, but I would and imagine respected. and respected mm-hmm. as the medicine woman of the mm-hmm. community. But here we are in this modern society in America now that mm-hmm. has been built and designed for Europeans mm-hmm. and we're trying to fit into it and we feel sick mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. really you just want to make bowls mm-hmm. but you out here trying to be whatever I don't know you know you're out here trying to, to fit into this way of being where you can feel important and respected mm-hmm. and you're pushing it because it's not really you you know what I'm saying? That's, that's not really what you were put on earth to do is be, I don't know, in IT or um, you weren't necessarily put on earth to, you know, do hair or whatever you're doing okay. is not a good fit. And because it's not a good fit, you're feeling like this is mental health. Maybe you're just not living in your purpose. And, you know, and that gets all, but for me, that goes back to your body, and I, I say, I don't know how many times I say this, the body keeping the score. Because mm. I think spirit, of course, but also your those electromagnetic like charges, we're connected to something. Yes. Our purpose pulls us towards something on this earth. It, somebody can be pulled to go cut grass and not know why they just feel imp- you know compelled to be in the grass and be you know very particular yes. and studious about that. Yes. But their body or their mind is telling them, because I'm a black man, I need to go out here and try to learn this IT cert mm-hmm. so I can be guaranteed a job. Yes. Um, and there's shame in doing certain things. Yes. So your body is pulling you one way, you're going the other way, mm-hmm. and then you wonder why you're diseased yes. in your body. Exactly. And so instead of saying, okay, I don't, I feel compelled to do something else. I'm right. going in that direction. Yes. I get what you're saying. People are quick to say, oh, no, that's just depression. I'm sick. Like, I am sick. I'm oh, sick. You want to be sick. Yes. You say, I am. Especially if you manifest that experience. Exactly. Because words are powerful. You keep saying, I have Mm -hmm. depression. I have... It becomes who you are. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. from my experience, that doesn't necessarily make people better. Sometimes it Mm -hmm. makes them worse. That identifying with these different disorders. Mm -hmm. And, and, And... and just really just like I said before leaning into being this type of sick person oh yeah mm. so that's why I have mixed feelings <laughs> it makes sense because I even think about black women and you know I've seen it to where um black women are afraid some black women are afraid to do it a different way as far as giving birth mm-hmm. and so the idea of doing it at home or trusting her body or looking for doulas, you know, that look like us. Um, it's safer and I feel more accepted when I go into this sterile place yeah. because these white people mm-hmm. and the way that they're, they taught how my body responds to things, they're going to be able to take care of me. Mm-hmm. And the studies have shown over and over again that's definitely not the case for us. Right. But that fear and that stigma of doing something different um, because they scare you into into their facilities. Yeah. So if you don't go here, there's a poss- there's there's an eighty percent chance you're gonna miscarry if you don't come to this hospital where we treat you like a number. Yes. And so um yeah, I, I agree in that sense. 
That's, when you first said it, I was like, oh gosh. I know it's it's, it's no. a very controversial thing to is. say, but you know us as melanated people mm-hmm. handle things a different way. But they scare yeah. us away from it, like you said, the doulas. They scare us away from that. Even mysticism. Mm. Black folks be so scared of it. Oh yeah. We come from mystical people, you know who who would look to the stars for answers, who would use palm reading, tea leaf, read, leaf, leaf reading mm-hmm. um, as a way to quell some of their anxiety. You know, 800 years ago, wherever we come from, a person who was feeling social anxiety may have gone to the local... I don't know what they would have called that person, the but the mystic, person. yeah, the, mm-hmm. the mystic or whoever, the minister or whoever's in charge of that, uh-huh. and that person may have done a reading for them that helped them mm-hmm. to not feel that social anxiety because they got some answers, mm-hmm. you know, but of course, you're not going to ever see that in any psychology book, right, that right. this is a way that you can help people when it very well is a way that you can help people. When I first started in social work, I was working at um, a homeless shelter for young adults. Mm-hmm. So they were between like 17 and 21. Now, when I say homeless shelter, you may think of like a dilapidated building and, you know, just people coming in right. with all their bags and right. dressed in rags. <laughs> it was not like that at all. This was a state-of-the-art facility. It was really, really nice. All of the residents had their own like rooms Mm -hmm. and the rooms were nice and the food that um they were given was good they were cooked three meals a day they were all dressed well they they look you wouldn't even know that they lived in a shelter um they were transported to school to work Mm -hmm. if they weren't transported they were given um bus cards or something or to, to make it back and forth but it was like a really nice place right but the director of that facility was a black woman and this is back when I was in school so I hadn't even graduated with my master's in counseling yet but um, I can't remember her name but she would use tarot with the residents all the time as a therapy tool and she was a, a psychologist she was a doctor right and she would use cards as a way to help and it was so effective they were wow. receptive to it. You would see um, visible changes. Um, they would reach goals that they had set out to, right. to make. And I, and I can't say it's only because of that, but it's this non-traditional way of dealing with these different emotions that you're not going to see in books. Mm-hmm. Right. You're, it's, it's not going to... Even hypnosis, it's like, oh, that's a pseudoscience. Like, everything that has to do with us as black people and the way that we handle things prayer you know um like i said um, card reading um you know because it's just different ways that we do things music all of that is not going to be celebrated or pushed as a a legitimate way of treating and healing people because the legitimate ways are all white right very true i'm just saying big pharma Exactly, or yes, hmm. even to somebody getting money that doesn't look like us, right? 
put her on medication. And don't get me wrong, sometimes medication is helpful. Some people need medication. There have been times in my life when I have been going through it and I have gone to therapy myself. I have gone to psychiatrists as well. And I have had medication, been medicated at different mm-hmm. points in my life. Um, and it helped me through some difficult times. Yeah, so, I think so I'm not a, against medication. Right. I think it's necessary in some cases. Mm-hmm. Like for some neuro, you know, neurotic disorders or yeah. behaviors, it's like a glit or a switch. Like schizophrenia or like, you know, just these... Tweaked. Them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or even just like severe anxiety where you're trying all the things. You're meditating. You're you're spending time in nature. You're mm-hmm. eating right. You're doing all the things and it's not going away. Right. So it may be helpful as a way to get you over that hump. Mm-hmm. However, I mean, to stay informed, but that ain't the only way. Right, you know, right. There are medicines right. out there that are natural because everything we need is is out there. Like, provided for it's us. It's provided for us mm-hmm. on, on Earth. Big Pharma copies those patterns. Yes, yeah. The structure of these plants and c- creates medicines that are duplicates and phonies of what we see in nature. Like mushrooms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Psychedelics have helped people. Right. Ayahuasca Shoot. has helped people. Ayahuasca? Ayahuasca. What is that? Okay, so Ayahuasca. Said, I, why are we talking about Ayahuasca? <laughs> <laughs> like. Ayahuasca. I'm kind of obsessed with Ayahuasca. <laughs> well, you tell me, because I'm country. like, what is that? Yeah, you have to go to another country. Um, it's it's mostly like um, um, like indigenous peoples of I don't know like in South America. Mm-hmm. Um, this is more their thing. It's not really in you know African American okay treatment, but it's a combination of roots. Don't don't give me the line. I don't know exactly what the roots <laughs> are where you find them, but it's a drink that you that's made by a shaman. Um, you drink it. And it's supposed to like purge you of all of your oh, wow. and like literally purge you. So you're vomiting, you're peeing, you're pooping, you're having convulsions. You're, you're just going through all oh, of wow. this you're sweating. You're, you're even having psychotic episodes sometimes within mm-hmm. the context of you're taking this drink, but you're supervised by these spiritual people, by okay. these mystics. And the idea is that you come out on the other end healed. And it takes like three days or a week. And you have people who swear by it. That they did ayahuasca and they were completely healed of schizophrenia. They were completely healed from bipolar disorder. Wow. So, like I said, I've never done it before. Mm Because you have to go to like Peru or something. Okay. Um, and it can be dangerous as well. Some people have bad stories about yeah. it, but Look that up. for all intents and purposes, I've heard mostly good. Um, Matthew McConaughey has done it, and he speaks really, yes, very extensively about it. Um, who else? Who else was saying that? Interesting. A lot of people talk about it. Um, Tyson has done different type of alternative methods. I don't know if he did ayahuasca. Mike Tyson or Mike, Tyson Beckford? Mike Tyson. Have you watched his podcast? No. Oh, it's amazing. It's so good. Interesting. Um, also, um, what's that guy's name? He used to be on Fear Factor. 
Joe Rogan has a lot of guests on who speak about these like alternative ways that they were able to heal themselves from mental disorders. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that he's tried a few things as well. There's something you can do with a frog. There's like some poisonous frog. Oh, Lord. Wait a minute now. Lick it. Yeah. If you lick a poisonous frog. Yes, it's supposed to create some psychedelic, some type of experience in your mind that's supposed to kill you. My eyeball going to fall out. Look, it it might, but maybe you didn't need that eyeball. You were seeing too much. That's why you're going to say. I can't see. You feel better, right? You don't. You don't need that ear. You know you don't need to hear one that's time. What, that's what's good. That's why you're hard headed. That's, right. that's why you don't act right. So, um, and then also shrooms. Right. A, a lot of black intellectuals are getting into psychedelics like shrooms, mm-hmm. and they're using it as a way to um, deal with anxiety. They'll like microdose throughout mm-hmm. the day to deal with anxiety at work um, I've heard of people taking shrooms with their partners and have doing really do yeah like and having deep discussions and just working through some really serious issues nice. while on shrooms in a way that they didn't feel like they could have done it or they weren't able to do it before and then also you have people who microdose things like acid mm-hmm. and, and people are so afraid of like something that strong like oh my god acid yet you go pop pills so my mixed feelings is not about whether or not we have these conditions or if this is happening to Mm -hmm. us it's about our lack of understanding of our own power to heal ourselves either through natural means spiritual means um, of these conditions, right, right, okay. Like we're and and also just, I don't know. I just don't like that. This as a community, like we're just coming across as the, these fragile people, mm-hmm. and we can be fragile behind the scenes. We can talk with each other about it, or even in therapy, but in these very public spaces, especially with the black men, black men. And I know they're saying that there's not a place for them to talk about this. I get it. Like, they should be able to express themselves, all of that. But at the same time, I feel like it can be emasculating this over-identification with emotions that they're trying to really push on black men. But uh, Well, yeah. Okay. I see it. I get it. But I wonder again, like when whatever population we're referring to, like for instance, the black population period, our you know, unique traumas and things that we experience, a lot of people run towards what's from you know, what's familiar or what's being pushed in their face and they go for it. Mm-hmm. As opposed to pivoting and saying, What is this doing or what's unique to me and my culture and how to fix it. Exactly. Um, but when you have a population like black men or like um Pro athletes, mm-hmm. let's say Simone Biles, when the expectation and the pressures look different across populations, sure. we have to realize what's the cause of that that influence. Mm-hmm. Why do they feel so strongly about moving towards that influence, and what are their other options? Mm-hmm. So, like with black men, 
they may go towards that option, you know, whatever the man says, because they don't know where else to turn. Mm -hmm. And and, and in that sense, I'm talking about um, like men's groups or, you know, other brotherly support. Mm -hmm. And so while I agree, Mm -hmm. look for alternatives, pivot based on what you need as a unique self, Mm -hmm. as opposed to going to what's being pushed towards you. But when you don't know any better, there has to be space for understanding. I understand why you're not looking this way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why we need to educate ourselves and don't, we shouldn't be allowing social media to tell us how to feel on these issues. That's mm-hmm. why we need to read more. That's why we need to listen to more podcasts. That's why we need to do more research mm-hmm. so that we can understand that we are empowered as a people mm-hmm. and, 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 yeah. and reach for that thing that someone from another culture may not be able to reach for in the way that you can mm-hmm. just because of your background because of your lineage right. um, I don't know I just it just feels like something that just feeds into the bigger mm-hmm. agenda and I hate being a conspiracy theorist because I'm, I'm really not not low-key well, kind of but not for real as black people I feel like we are slipping into this place where we're feeling like these are our thoughts. These are the way that we, mm. this is the way that we feel. But we're really, these are ideas that are being planted, planted yeah. and, and fed to us. Pressure to doing Since it. Since when mm. have we trusted the status quo? And here we are, just mm. like, oh yeah, reading their books and 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 um, labeling ourselves with the disorders that they came up with, mm. and you know, like just like really turning our back on our culture everything that's black mm-hmm. not everything mm-hmm. but a lot of things that are culturally ours we're saying no that's not good enough but like we are so quick to turn our back on our methods our practices our way of looking at things when the status quo says oh that's wrong we always we, we come around eventually and in a hundred years, black folks gonna be all the way watered down. And they're gonna look critically at the way that we did things during these times. Now, uh-huh. Exactly, but who's writing the history books and putting them out there? Oh, yeah. Because even when we write books, it doesn't mean that they're gonna be read. It doesn't published. mean that they're gonna get published. It's mm-hmm. that it, certainly they may not ever show up in a school or anything like that. So all of these Ideas, the things that we learned from our grandmothers that we may not have disagreed, may not have agreed with, we've just deemed as completely irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Some, some of us, it's like throwing the baby out and the bathwater. Mm-hmm. So there needs to be some changes. There needed to be a pivot as black people away from some of the things that we were doing that were damaging to ourselves, to abuses towards our children. Right. All of those Mainly. things. Yeah. I grew up in the 80s, okay, so, like, my mother handled me. <laughs> I know what that means, yeah. My mother handled me, you know, so yes. I get it because I'm a part of that, and I feel like there needed to be some changes. However, to just completely dis- disregard all of that history, mm-hmm. to turn away from it, I don't know, I don't, I don't like that, 